All right, so go ahead. Uh, let's turn to. Um, let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter one. All right. So we're going to start off in Ephesians chapter one, and of course, it's one of those things. Um, as we go through dealing with some of this information, uh, specifically dealing with the the tulip. All right. So if you're not familiar with the tulip, the tulip is a thing that Calvinists came up with ages and ages ago. And they they were talking about, you know, the T stands for total depravity and U stands for um, something. I forget what it is. Um, L's limited atonement, I and P. So they've got different things. Uh, and so basically what they do is they say, this is this is the main five points of Calvinism, all that fun stuff. So what I want to do is uh, we're going to weed the tulip garden. We've already talked about how Calvinism is not an acceptable Bible study um, system. Right? It's some systematic uh, theology that people came up with um, based off of Calvin's interpretation of the Scriptures, which actually is Calvin's uh, interpretation of uh, Martin Luther's uh, Reform theology. So you see all that stuff out there. So... Today, what I want to do is we're going to weed the garden, and we're going to take that tulip, and we're going to take it up on our own and do our own thing with it. So today, we're going to talk about total forgiveness, all right? So the T is going to be total forgiveness, um, and I've got the other ones uh, on on the, the photo that showed up at the very beginning when we went live, and uh, we'll talk about those. So like, um, we'll deal with those as so we go through. Yeah. It was just an acronym. Uh, is a Calvinistic acronym. Yeah. So we're changing that. And I'm changing it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm taking the tulip and uh, we're gonna fix it. Okay. All right. So uh, today we're gonna take a look at total forgiveness. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter one, verse three. We'll start off there. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ." according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children uh, by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this, this doctrine of total forgiveness, may we keep in mind um, what was actually accomplished at the cross for those that, that by their own free will trust in that finished work uh, of Jesus Christ on the cross. And uh, as we study this out, may we just rely completely and totally on your word and allow it to be the final authority in all things that we may be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so um, I want to try doing this thing up here too. So um, I got a lot of stuff going on, and so I'm a little frazzled, so let's do it. 
right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. But I'm, I've got all these ideas and, and, and time and all that stuff kind of says, hey, hold up, you can't do all this stuff at the same time, so we'll see what happens. All right. So one of the things as we go down through here, there's, there's, some, there's some things that hopefully we see, um, hopefully that we're able to see here, uh, specifically in Ephesians chapter 1. The very first thing, what we notice there is what? <clears throat> Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Now, <clears throat> what I want you to do is think about something real quick. Go back to... Uh, go back to Romans, Romans chapter 4 real quick. <clears throat> Alright, so if you go back here to Romans chapter 4, <clears throat> um, we've already taken a look at this, but I want us to be able to see exactly what's going on uh, specifically right here in, in Romans chapter 4. We're going to take a look at some of these things anyway, but notice in Romans chapter 4, uh, Paul in verse 6, he says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So we've already looked at, at that verse back, back a little bit time ago, right? So what is it, if we remember, what is it that we found out that that word blessed means. Do we remember that? Everybody's all of a sudden like, why am I in school? Happy, right? So it has to do with being happy, all right? And think about this real quick. And of course, there's different ways that you're going to take the, take the word happy, but based on what's in the verse, in the context, that's going to tell us uh, which one it is. Notice in verse 6, he says, even as David. Now, who's that? Well, that's David, King David, back, back in the Old Testament, right? We can go back and we can read some things uh, about him and about his life and all that stuff. But notice what it says. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man. And so when you think about that, it's just the, the happiness and the joy. Just think about how, how happy and joyous it is to know that God will impute righteousness without works. All right, so think about that real quick. You, you, you take a look at, at the, the religious system out there in the world, and what's the religious system say? They say, well, you know, if, if you do this, and you do this, and you do this, then you do this. You listen to the Pope, you listen to the church fathers, and you go buy this thing, and you go and, and feed, the, feed the hungry and, and cleanse the, 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 the people that are dirty and... and House those that don't have houses. Go visit people in prisons. And if you do all that stuff, guess what you get? Eternal life. You get forgiveness of sins if you do those things. And if you confess your sins, if you don't confess your sins, what do they say? You can't get forgiveness. All right, so there's this whole, this whole system out there that says uh, if you want to do some stuff, if you want to learn some stuff, you got to go and do stuff. All right? But... What does that produce? Go back to chapter 3. <clears throat> Go back to chapter 3, verse 26. Delilah's been down on her back since, what, Thursday or Wednesday, something like that? And so every time she sneezes, you can just about feel it like her sciatic's messing up. But 
Notice in chapter 3, verse 26, it says, I declare, or to declare, I say it this time, right? Um, There's something here that he says at this time. This is something that could not have been spoken about until it was revealed to Paul. No one could have gone back and said the things that what Paul's getting ready to say, they couldn't have said it back prior to there, uh, to its actual revelation to him. Notice he says, I say it this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So what is it that you have to do in order to get righteousness, in order for him to give you that, is what? Believe. That's it. And here's why it's so important, verse 27. Where is boasting then? That's a really good question, right? You know, do you know what do you know what religious people say? It's like, yeah, but you know, what about what about if I if I just believe, then that takes away my opportunity to boast about the things that I've done. Well, I bought this family down here a refrigerator, so you know, God's got to accept me. Um, you know, I I did this thing over here. I went to church every time the doors were open, so God owes me salvation. God owes me. Uh, forgiveness of sins. So here's one of the things that, that, that hopefully we think about as we go down through here. Who is it that gives you righteousness is God. How is it that you get that righteousness? By believing. And so then what somebody does, they come along and say, yeah, but, you know, believing's a work. And so the people that teach the tulip, the the wrong tulip, what they'll do is they'll say, you you can't believe. And in fact, if you do believe, it's because God gave you the opportunity and the, the, the ability to believe. And so you sit back there and think, well, that's just ignorant. Um, but when you go through here, what's the issue? Religious folks say, yeah, but I want to be able to boast by doing things, right? And so what's Paul say? Where is boasting then? It's a really great question. It's excluded. Right? Do you know what you can't do if all you can do is believe? Do you know what you can't do? Boast. The weird thing is, is what what other religious folks come and do. They come along and they say, um, yeah, but watch me boast in faith. And so what they do is they make faith something other than just believing God's word. And they'll say, I'm believing God for a new airplane. Or I'm believing God for a new house. And I'm believing God and, you know, my faith, i just stepping out on faith. So I'm going to give away all my money so that God can actually bless me and give me something that I want. Right? And that's what they make faith to be. And they say, well, if it's not working for you, it's because you're not strong enough in faith. And so then you get this idea, okay, so then is faith something more than just trusting God's word? The answer is no. But what they've done is they've taken, they've taken that word faith and they've stolen it and they're going to say, well, I want to make this what I want it to be so that it fits my theological system, uh, whether it's something that God gives you or whether it's something that you just got to earn through doing something. No, no, but that's the thing, because if you can make it less, and so what Delilah said is, 
well, it, why would somebody take it and make it less than what God's made it? Well, the reason that they do that is so that it makes it something they can do. And they can boast in it. And there's a guy here in town. A uh, little TV station. They're just building on uh, their little church down there, downtown. And it's a huge, huge expansion what they're doing. And so he's one of these uh, health, wealth, and uh, prosperity guys. And he's got his white suit on all the time because God told him to wear white all the time. Uh, he's got a white vehicle because God told him to buy a white vehicle because he's so blessed and spiritual and perfect. Uh, and so he wants him to, to, you know, have all this. So then you look at that stuff and he says, he says things like, <clears throat> you know, I, I had, I had a hundred dollars. It's all I had to my name. And God said, give it to this guy back here. And what I did is I just stepped out on faith and gave that guy $100. He said, do you know what I had the next day? I had $10,000 or whatever. It is. You know, all that junk. And what he's doing is what? He's boasting like, look at how much faith I had. I gave everything that I had and I got all this stuff back. So look at... But here's, here's what Paul says about boasting. Notice, he says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Do you know what the law of faith says? You can't boast. <laughs> That's right, thank goodness. And then he says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And thank goodness, because if we had to be justified by the deeds of the law, nobody gets justified. He's already told us that in chapter 3, right? He said, I'm going to declare both Jew and Gentile that they're all under sin, and the reason why is that he might be able to have mercy upon everybody no matter who they are. And so it's a wonderful thing to be able to look at that and say, okay, man, bless God, thank you for that. All right, so... What we do is we come through here and we find out that there's no boasting there. And doesn't that make you happy? Yes. <laughs> and so then you get back over here to Romans chapter 4 and you find out, and he says in verse 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. All right, so I want you to think about this real quick. Um, he says, Bless your, or Blessed or happy are happy who, are those who have their what? Sins Sins forgiven. All right? Does he stop there? No. So he says that we have our iniquities forgiven and our sins covered. Um, aren't you glad that that's true? Aren't you glad that Christ went to the cross? You know, we, we point out it all the time. Aren't you glad that Christ went to the cross to pay the price that we couldn't pay in our stead and say, I'm going to take care of this. You don't worry about it. And all you have to do is, by simple faith, trust in what I've done to accomplish what I set out to do, what God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, before the foundation of the world set out to do, and say, I'm going to take all your sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 tells us what? That He was made sin for us. You stop and think about that for a second. How great is it to know that our iniquities are forgiven and our sins are covered, but not just that. 
Notice in verse 8, it says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord, what's those next two words? Will not. So not only are we happy that we have our sins, our, our iniquities forgiven, our sins covered, and, and all that stuff, but also what? That we have what? He's no longer... I'm going to impute them to you. Now, you stop and think about that for a second. And a lot of, a lot of Christianity out there, a lot of religion folks, what they'll do is they'll say, now you've got to be careful about this preaching grace, right? You can tell people that they're saved by grace, but don't tell them to live by grace. Because what they're going to end up doing is they're going to go and do whatever they want to, however they want to go about doing it. And they don't really care about And so what happens is, is we come along and we say, okay, we're saved by grace through faith. Praise the Lord, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Right? But they never go to verse 10 to find out that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that we should, what? That something that God foreordained that we would what? Walk in those good works. Amen. And it's not just... We do good works to stay saved. We do good works because we are saved. And so what God comes along and says, not only, and I, I, I don't think I've talked about it here. I may have. TV program and, 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 and services and all that stuff, I get those things mixed up. But here's the thing. I've said this before, right? In, in life, you could be $10,000 in debt. Right, sounds like a good even number. You could be ten thousand dollars in debt, and the the insurance company's like, okay, what we'll do is we'll knock off four thousand of that, so you still owe us six thousand. All right, so we're gonna so we're gonna set up a payment plan over a five year period, a three year period. We're gonna say you're you're gonna pay us X amount of dollars for three five years until that's paid off. All right, and at the end of that, you get to zero, and you're like, man, I'm glad that's gone. Meanwhile, you've accumulated another $10,000 debt. And you're like, man, I'm no longer in debt. Oh, wait, yeah, I am. And so then you get to the point and you're like, you know, you go through all that stuff and all that. And everybody relates to that, right? <clears throat> so what happens is um, credit card companies, they're not going to take away all the debt, right? If you go and settle, it's like, oh, yeah, I want this over. And they like, we're not going to take it all. Some, some do, depends on how much it is. But I want you to think about this. <clears throat> the next day you get another $10,000 in debt. And the next day you get another $10,000. So every one of those credit card companies are going to come after you, right? That's not how God works, right? And here's the best part. What God says is, okay, you owe $10,000. I'm going to take that and I'm going to get rid of it. By the way, tomorrow when you get that, I'm going to take care of it. You no longer owe it. The next day when you go get it. So think of those, that, that debt is sin, right? Every time that you go and sin, what's God do? It's already paid for. I've already forgiven you of it. Kind of changes your mind not to go into debt anymore. Changes your mind not to go into debt anymore, right? So then you start thinking about, man, I don't want to go in debt anymore because Christ has already paid it for me. So it's not, hey, I get to go spend extra money and go sin because I've already been forgiven. I'm going to stop doing that because he's already forgiven me for it. 
And so what it does is allows us to look at those things in life and say, you know what? I don't want to have any of that stuff in my life anymore. And so that's what this total forgiveness allows us to do. Um, and how happy are we <laughs> that that's a possibility? Very. Very happy. And that's why Paul says, David, did David understand a total forgiveness like we do? No. The answer is no. You think back, there are two sins that David committed and neither one of them had a sacrifice that would be able to cover them. Right? Murder and adultery. Those two things did not have a sacrifice in the sacrificial system to cover. And you know what happened? One of these days, David's going to be raised up and walk into that kingdom. He doesn't understand it yet. One day he will. He doesn't understand especially how it was done like we do now. Maybe he does by now. But he didn't at that time. And he just, notice it says, uh, verse 6, he says, Even as David also, notice, describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. So here's the thing. God says, I'm going to take your debt. I'm going to make it go away. And he says, what I'm going to do in replace of that is I'm no longer going to impute your sins to you, but what I'm going to impute is my righteousness. I, I got lost for a second. I was like, how do you spell righteousness? <laughs> there we go. So what he's going to do is he's going to say, guess what? Here's my righteousness. And you stop and think about those things. <clears throat> that makes you pretty happy, doesn't it? Yep. I mean, you go through chapter 3, verse 24. <clears throat> and he starts off there. He says, being justified, How? Freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's two things in Ephesians 1 that Paul talks about. The first is that we have redemption. The second thing that he talks about is we have forgiveness of sins. And in Ephesians chapter 1, that's what he's dealing with. What do we know? We go over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and he tells us what? Forgive others as you have been forgiven, which is completely different from Matthew chapter 6, right? Matthew chapter 6 says, in order to get forgiveness, you have to forgive people. But what Paul says is, by the way, saved individuals, this is to saved individuals only, if you have placed your faith in what Jesus Christ did, his shed blood on the cross, and you take and place them and believe that he died for your sins, that he was buried and then he rose again the third day, you know what happens? The moment that you get saved, you get forgiveness of sins. How many of them? All. Every one of them. Go to Ephesians or Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 9, Colossians 2, 9. 
For in him, talking about Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete where? In him. All right? So here's the thing. You got to understand what does it mean to be in him? What does it mean to be in Christ? That is a positional truth that is true for every believer. The moment that you get saved, the Holy Spirit takes and places you into living union with Christ. His death is now your death. His burial is now your burial. His resurrection is your resurrection. And not only that, but we go to Romans chapter 8 and we find out that not only are we now heirs of God, but we're joint heirs with Christ the moment that we believe. And he says here, You are complete in Christ, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. That's Romans chapter 6. Do you know what you don't have to do now? You don't have to sin. But when we do, we know something about it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But drop down to verse, verse 13. Notice. And you, being dead in your sins, Romans 6 deals with that, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh... Notice, hath he, notice that word hath. That means it's already taken place. Hath he quickened, that means he's made you alive. How? Together with him, that's Christ. Notice, having forgiven you all trespasses. Do you know what you can look at every time that you sin? You can say, I know that that's a sin. I know that Jesus Christ has already died for it. He's already paid for it. And God's already forgiven me for it. And what do I do? I can actually deal with it. I don't have to hide it in the back of my mind. I can deal with it the moment that it takes place. So what happens is, we go through here and we find out that because we're in Christ, you know, you go back to to uh, Matthew chapter 3, right? And we've been studying through Matthew on Wednesday nights. Matthew chapter 3, what do we find out after Jesus Christ is baptized? He comes up out of the water. What's God the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Go over to Ephesians chapter 1. You look at verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, God's happy to do what He's getting ready to do. What's He done? He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Right? You drop down to verse 7. What do we have? Or verse 6. Notice, He says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath, notice, made us accepted in the beloved. Do you know what happens the moment that we get saved? God places us in his beloved. He identifies us with the beloved. And what happens, he says, what does it mean that he's, he's his beloved son? He says, in whom I am well pleased. 
And do you know what he gets to say about you and I now? This is one of those things you just kind of sit back and think, that's pretty fantastic. Our acceptance before God is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's beloved, and since we're in Christ, a position that we do not get until we actually trust in the blood of Christ, we are also beloved of God because we're in Him. That's an amazing thing to think about. When we, when we get to that point, everything that we have and everything that we are and everything we're ever going to be is because of the position that we have in Christ. We find out here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 that we have what? In Christ we have what? Redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins based on or according to the riches of His grace. Now we know that we're redeemed from the law. We're set free from the law. We, 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 don't, have to, we don't have to worry about that stuff. We are accepted in the Beloved. We have this position now in Christ. The second thing is, we have complete and total forgiveness and also the removing of guilt. Do you know what happens? Do you know what total forgiveness allows us to do? It doesn't mean that we, that sin doesn't affect our life or make some sort of difference in our life. What this does, we know and understand that sin affects our life and can, can and actually destroy your testimony. Because what are people going to do? Well, if that person acts this way and they're a church person and, they're, and they call themselves a Christian, if they're doing that, then why can't I? And I get to go to heaven too because they do. You think about that? So notice, <clears throat> total forgiveness allows us to look at our sins and allows us to face them because God has already dealt with them on the cross. We can deal with the consequences of our bad decisions we can admit it, we can acknowledge it, we can identify it, we can deal with it, and then progress away from it. Amen. That's what total forgiveness allows you to do. We're able to see when we fall short of God's glory, and what do we do? It gives us the ability to replace it with something that's better, something that's actually beneficial. And that's the whole issue that we see in 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 Ephesians, a couple other places, that we can put off the old man and put on the new. The only way that you can put on the new, though, is if you know who you are as the new person. And so then somebody comes along and says, what about 1 first, first John 1, 9? Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to talk about that next time. Um, we're at 31 minutes right now, and uh, so we'll pick up with that. Uh, but here's the thing, what I want you to think about. 1 John 1, 9, I'll just, I'll just put it this way. You do not have to go by 1 John 1, 9. Also, when you actually understand what 1 John 1, 9 and who they're talking to, do you know what those folks out there during the tribulation period is also going to have? Complete and total forgiveness, just like we do. Through the death, burial, and resurrection. Because of what God did through the, through the Son. They're going to have a complete forgiveness plan as well it's going to work differently than ours uh but we can talk about that next week all right so question, question. if we're reading the tulip garden is there is the, we talked about the, we're not talking about the teeth 
Yeah, the T is total forgiveness. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm changing it. I'm not doing do total depravity. We're doing total forgiveness. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting rid of the... I'm sorry. No, you're fine. We're weeding out the weeds. We're getting out the weeds, right? The junk, and we're replacing it with real stuff. What about the you? 